Hey everybody, welcome to Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. This is episode number 165 of our YouTube channel and podcast, and I cannot be more excited to continue sharing with you guys personal finance topics that I think can be useful for you in your long-term financial journey. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, not when you should be investing, but when you should not be investing, right? What are the times in life when we should be putting our investing on halt? right? Putting it on pause in order to get other things done, in order to take care of other situations. And this is very important because uh, if we know when we should not be investing, right? If we know when we should be conserving cash in any way possible, then we will be better off when those situations do happen to occur throughout the course of our investing lives. Before we get started, though, if you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, then make sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's really good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that's specific to you and your family and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work with Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. Now listen, before you knock on me too hard without even watching this episode or listening to what I have to say in this episode, believe you me. I love when people invest. I talk a lot about investing on this show. I talk a lot about how you should be investing on this show and when you should be investing on this show, right? But I am not ignorant to the fact that there are moments in life, there are times in life when we should not be investing, right? And there are times throughout the course of our financial action plan uh, when investing is not the best thing to do. And we need to take care of other things first. There are other things uh, that are priority to investing. Uh, And there are times when we have been investing that we need to stop, that we need to put it on pause. We need to do something different for some period of time uh, and allow ourselves to get our financial footing and then get back into the investing space and then allow ourselves uh, to invest with a lot of intensity, with a lot of fervor, right? So I want to talk about a few things today. I want to talk about not only uh, when we should put things on pause, but Uh, throughout the course of the financial action plan, uh, how and when we should be investing uh, if you are following our guidelines there, if you are following uh, the plan there. So that's where we'll start. We'll start with the financial action plan uh, and when you should and should not be investing within the financial action plan. Now let's just start from uh, the outset with the first part of the financial action plan, obviously, is creating a unique monthly budget. And in creating this unique monthly budget, This is you telling your money where to go. This is you allocating your money uh, and telling it where to go uh, within the next month, uh, within the next few weeks, however often uh, you are budgeting. It should be at least monthly though. And in doing this, you're also allocating any investments that you have. So if you haven't budgeted yet, you shouldn't be investing, right? If you haven't budgeted and understood where your money is going, you shouldn't be allocating any of that money towards investments. You shouldn't be choosing Uh, to invest money that you don't know where it's going, right? So we should be budgeting. Now, you can spend an evening getting a budget done and getting it ironed out with your spouse and your family and you're all good, right? So that doesn't take long. It doesn't take long to get that first part done. But then the second part comes and it says, 
okay, let's build up a month's worth of expenses as an emergency fund. Well, if you don't have a month's worth of expenses, if you don't have the ability to cover a month, you don't have the ability to cover uh, an emergency that is a month of the expenses of your household, then you really don't need to be investing. You don't need to be putting money away into things like retirement accounts that are going to have age restrictions and are going to limit your ability to get your hands on your money. You don't need to uh, be investing money that you're just going to take out at the first sign uh, of needing it and not allowing it to compound for your future. You don't need to be doing that if you don't have at least one month's worth of expenses uh, to be putting away into a savings account to just allow uh, that money to sit as a small buffer uh, until we get into some of the larger buffers later on in the financial action plan. So uh, if you don't have a budget and you don't have one month's worth of expenses, you should be investing nothing. You should not be investing a thing if you don't have those two things in place ready to go. Now, if you do have those two things in place, then I start giving you a little more within the financial action plan, right? I tell you, okay, if you've got those things in place, then uh, let's look and see if you have an employer-sponsored retirement account that offers a match. And if you do, let's invest and let's get that free money. That's the first time I tell you within the financial action plan, go after it, go invest, right? And the barriers to entry to that step are very low, right? Getting to where you have a budget done and have one month of expenses uh, is not, that's, that's not a big barrier to overcome. Uh, so you can get over that quickly and get into this third part. Now, if you don't have an employer-sponsored retirement plan that offers a match, uh, then you ha may have to wait a little longer, okay? Because then we get past that third part uh, and we get into the fourth part, which is paying off all your consumer debt other than your home. And depending on how much consumer debt you're in, uh, this can make you wait a while before you actually get to start investing. And that's okay uh, because we've talked about before, debt is a strain on our cash flow. We are strained by debt. We don't have as much cash flow to allocate towards our investments if we are deeply in debt, right? And so maybe you're getting the free money of an employer match, maybe you're not, uh, but even if you aren't, you shouldn't be pushing to invest if you have debt outstanding, if you have debt that is keeping you from taking all of your check to the house, okay? Now, you would think after that, okay, whew, I got done, pay off my debt, now can I invest? One more thing, right? You have to build up a proper emergency fund, right? One month of expenses is not a proper emergency fund. It is not going to cover you properly uh, if certain things occur in your life. So you need the four to six months of expenses uh, that I request you to have in the fifth part of the financial action plan as an emergency fund before you really get started investing in large numbers. And so you get that in place, right? And again, these first five steps can take as long as, you know, your situation allows, right? If you're deeply in debt, it's going to take longer, right? If your income is lower, it's going to take longer. Uh, if you are living too high on the hog, as they say, if you're living too close to your means, if you're not living enough below your means, then it is going to take longer. So it can take as little or as long time uh, as your financial situation uh, calls for. But hopefully it doesn't take long and we can get to this sixth part of the financial action plan quite quickly. Uh, and then you can invest at least 15% of your income for your future, for your kids' future, for their college accounts, and for your future. Uh, your future obviously should come first uh, with retirement accounts, brokerage accounts, all these different types of things, uh, investing in you know, mutual funds, stocks, bonds, ETFs, all these different types of things that you can invest in um, and allowing your money to start compounding for you, right? Now, we're in this place. 
right? We have this place where we're like, okay, we've done all these things. We've gotten everything in order, right? And that's really the, the whole point of the first five parts of the financial action plan is that you're getting your life in order, right? You're getting your financial life in order because I want your financial life to be in order before you start really building, right? You need to lay a foundation before you can start building. You can't just build a house on dirt, right? You have to lay a foundation, right? You have to lay a foundation within that dirt. You have to make it to where it's flat and it's level and uh, that you can build on top of it. You can't uh, you know, make it to where it's all slanted and, and things are going to fall off whenever uh, the first sign of, of wind or rain or, or any type of trouble comes along, right? Because some of you homeowners understand uh, that if the foundation uh, is not well set, right? If they don't uh, make the foundation the way it should be done, uh, then little things can really uh, turn into big issues. They can turn into big issues in your life. In the same way, if you don't set a good financial foundation before you're investing in large amounts, uh, then you may have little things in your life that turn into really big things. You may have bills uh, that pop up or medical bills that pop up or uh, you may have emergencies that pop up uh, that uh, don't allow you to continue in your financial life the way you were going and they set you back even further than they should because you did not lay the financial foundation that you should have laid. So let's say that you make it to the sixth part though. Let's say you do lay the good foundation. Let's say you do get out of the, the habit of living paycheck to paycheck. You do uh, get back ahead on your bills. You get all these things in place. What are some times when we should stop our investing? What are some times uh, where we should put our investing on pause, where we should uh, say, okay, maybe at this point, I don't need to be investing. Maybe it's not smartest for me to continue to do so. Well, let's say, and this is you know a, a sad occurrence, but let's say you were to lose a family member. Let's say uh, that your spouse or a child or, or somebody were to pass away, right? At that point, you should stop investing, right? At least for a short period of time. Why? Because in that time of grief, right? In that time of, um, you know, a lot of ambiguity, a lot of uncertainty, uh, then you need to make sure that you have as much money in your pocket as possible to take care of the things that need to be taken care of. Right. I know when these emergencies occur, you can use your emergency fund, but you may need to put your investing on hold uh, in order to just get your feet under you uh, before you continue your investing. Not only that, if it's your spouse and the investment account that you know the money's going into is an IRA or a 401k in your spouse's name, uh, you may want to put that on pause because obviously your spouse is not going to be uh, working anymore if they're no longer here. So. Um, it's something that could really make your financial position change, right? But you have to give yourself some time. You have to give yourself some time for your emotions to settle, right? Especially if you receive some type of uh, life insurance from your spouse or from whoever passed away, uh, give it a little bit of time because you don't want to just rush to invest that money or rush to do something with that money too quickly, right? Um, it can make a big difference in your life. It can change everything. It can really help you uh, to weather the storm if your spouse has passed. But uh, we don't want to be too hasty in trying to make decisions, especially decisions that are grounded in grief, right? Make sure that you can keep the bills paid, keep a roof over your head, especially if your spouse was the primary breadwinner, right? Put things on pause. Make sure that everything is good and everything um, is as normal as it can be 
and get back to um, a new sense of normalcy and then allow yourself to step into that place uh, where you can pick up your investing again. Again, these things occur. These are sad things. These are sad occurrences. But if this type of occurrence happens, uh, then you need to be uh, prepared to press pause at least for a short period of time. Now, there are other situations in which we should also be pressing pause with our investing, one of which uh, is when we lose a job, right? Or when a spouse loses a job. Now, this is just in order to make sure, right? Let's say it's a two-income household, right? And let's say you can live on one of your spouse's incomes, which, whichever one it is, and the other one loses their job. Well, what you need to make sure is that uh, one, you can actually live on that other person's income because you are getting used to living on a higher income than what you're going to have coming in if somebody has lost their job, at least for a short period of time. So you need to make sure you can live on that person's income and uh, you need to make sure that any investing that you may do based on that person's income, uh, it may need to be dialed back because it's based on a lower income amount. So pressing pause for a moment just to get your feet under you uh, and figure out what's going on uh, is perfectly fine there. Not only that, uh, let's say it's a one income household or maybe not just one income, but one major income. Somebody is the primary breadwinner that we're really living on that person's income. Well, if that person no longer works, if that person is you know, out of a job, then it's going to be very vital that you stop your investing for some period of time because you cannot continue to put money away that you aren't making. You can't allocate income towards investing if there's no income coming in to allocate right? We allocate our income to invest. We don't just uh, throw money in regardless of whether we're making money or not. Uh, we're only putting money away if we are making money, if we are making some type of income. So a job loss can be huge and not only a job loss, right? But let's say you and your spouse were both working and uh, one spouse wants to stay home for some uh, period of time, right? They want to stay home with the kids. Maybe you just had a baby or something. Uh, maybe putting it on pause for just a moment there to make sure that you can live on one income is a good idea. Uh, again, when I'm talking about a pause like that, I'm talking about an extremely short-term pause, just enough to uh, get an idea of what you actually need to be doing and get an idea of whether or not you can actually survive on the income that your family is bringing in. And so uh, making sure that you can do that is great. And then uh, just stepping right back into investing in whatever amount is necessary uh, when you're in that specific place, especially if you're in the sixth part of the financial action plan. So then what about if you're expecting a child? right? When you're expecting a child, you may want to push pause on your investing for some period of time. And the reason that this is, is that you want to make sure that you have adequate money stacked up uh, in case something is to occur. You want to make sure that uh, you can get that baby and uh, mom home from the hospital uh, as safely as possible and as quickly as possible uh, with as few hiccups as possible. Uh, and do it with cash because we don't want to be in a position where, yeah, we've laid a good foundation for ourselves. We've, we've allowed ourselves to, to be in a good financial place. And then, you know, you have a baby, which is a very exciting thing. It's a, you know, a fun time. And, and then, you know, something bad were to happen, something negative were to occur. Uh, the baby has to stay in the hospital for some time. Mom has to stay in the hospital for some time. Uh, and then you are out a lot of money that you may not have or that your emergency fund may not be able to fully cover, right? And so maybe you need to press pause for a little while and build up assets to make sure that even if something does occur, you can take care of it. And uh, that amount 
is really based on what your maximum out of pocket would be from your insurance. Uh, because you need to know, even if something were to occur, what is the most I should end up paying? What is the most I could end up paying out of my own pocket? And to have that amount of money set aside or somewhere close to that amount of money set aside uh, for yourself is a good idea. Now, this is not being irrational, right? We're not saying, uh, let me plan for the worst case scenario, but things do happen. And we don't want to allow one occurrence in our lives, one uh, thing that may happen, right? Because just in having a child, you increase your likelihood of something like that happening, right? And in adding a human to the mix, adding somebody else where something could go wrong, uh, then you know you may want to prepare for those types of things uh, if you're having a child. But uh, once you build up enough, right? Once you build up whatever you perceive as a proper amount for you and your uh, spouse or just you to have, right? In order to cover whatever needs covering uh, with the birth of that child, then uh, yes, by all means, step back into the, the place of investing and just continue to move forward in that place. And so um, that is a situation in which we may want to um, you know, push pause. We may also want to push pause if anything major medical occurs that we don't have the money for. You definitely need to push pause in this place, right? Because if I don't have the money to cover some major medical event, if I, you know, have cancer or, uh, you know, have some type of major surgery or something where the costs are going to be extremely high, uh, and I don't have the money in my emergency fund to continue covering these costs, I need to worry more about covering these costs and staying out of medical debt than I do uh, about putting money away for retirement or investing for the future or whatever it may be. I need to make sure that I can take care of myself in the short term, right? I need to make sure that I can cover my needs today and not go back into debt or not go into debt for the first time uh, before I worry about my investing life. And so we want to make sure that we can take care of that. We can take care of uh, any major medical events that may come along. And then of course, step right back into the place of investing. And you may be saying like, yeah, Dylan, but this sounds like a lot of situations in which you should stop investing. It may sound like it, right? But a lot of these situations can be properly planned for, right? A lot of these situations, if you uh, have the proper money set aside, if you have uh, you know, a situation where it's a two income household, if you have, uh, you know, things that are good contingency plans, or let's say you lose a job and you can get back in the job market relatively quickly and just maybe live on your emergency fund for a month or whatever it may be, then you can actually come out of this place quite quickly and get right back to investing expediently, right? I don't want you to be out of the investing game. I want you to be investing. I want you to be putting money into retirement accounts. The, the primary uh, indicator of having money, having a nice nest egg at retirement is not rate of return, is not what you invest your money in. It is the fact that you actually invested money. It's the fact that you actually put money away for your future and in doing so, you were able to build up a good nest egg for yourself and your family. And so I want you to be doing that. I want you to be putting money away. Uh, I want you to be doing so systematically, but there are situations where you may need to pump the brakes just a bit, and those are some of them. And now let's just take a step back for just a moment and talk about some of those specific situations within the financial action plan and talk about why you should not be investing in those particular places, uh, because I think that's important. I think that's important uh, for us to hit on uh, in order for some of you to better understand what I'm talking about, to better understand the process, to better understand the fact uh, that you should not be investing uh, in some of the earlier stages of the financial action plan, right? I see a ton of people right now uh, in college, right? Or uh, in their early lives, especially college kids, right? 
who are putting money into the stock market, who are putting money into Bitcoin and, and all these different types of things uh, because they have this FOMO, right? This fear of missing out. Uh, they have this um, just want to keep up with everybody else and do the cool thing, the fad, whatever the fad is. Uh, and the stock market has become quite the fad. Well, these kids in most cases don't have uh, some type of emergency fund saved up. Uh, they don't have gainful employment in most cases, right? Some of them may, and many of them may also be in student loan debt, and yet they are still investing uh, money or speculating with their money uh, in financial markets, which is absolutely wrong. It's absolutely something you should not be doing. Not only are you not in the correct place in the financial action plan, but you're in school, right? Your primary objective as a student, as a college student, should be to make sure that you get out of college with no student loans. And if you already have student loans, then make sure that you can get out of college without taking on more student loans. You should not be using your money to invest or to even speculate, right? Because I've talked before about speculation, how if you're going to speculate, uh, you should at least be actually investing first and then speculate with a small portion of your money. But they, they want to speculate with a vast majority of their own net worth, uh, which is extremely low uh, at that particular point in time. And um, I mean, it's just not a smart thing to do. It's not smart at all to dip your foot into financial markets without the proper foundation set. Again, uh, if you don't set the foundation, if you don't do the proper things uh, to align yourself financially from the get-go, uh, then you are going to struggle to build the financial house, to build the financial mansion maybe that you want to build, right? You're not going to be able to build that financial house up in the way that you want to if you are continuing to do irresponsible things with your money. Now, another situation where you may need to take a step back, uh, even if you are uh, you know, in a good place uh, financially, but most people in this situation are not in a good place financially, right, is if you have some type of gambling issue, right? If you are very prone to gamble, if you're very prone to uh, take money and throw it away or take money and speculate extremely, because speculating extremely heavily in financial markets is gambling. It's, it's the same thing. I mean, the risk of loss may be slightly lower. Uh, you may not lose everything, uh, but the risk of loss in some amount is still extremely high, right? And speculating in things you don't know, you might as well be gambling. And so uh, these individuals should stop. You should stop investing or speculating until you can get uh, a proper um, head on your shoulders, until you can uh, allow yourself to get some help and to work out of uh, this particular addictive behavior that you are currently in. You do not need uh, to be in a place where you're trying to you know, invest money. You're trying to grow money for your future, but uh, you're addicted to the thrill, right? You're addicted to uh, the ups and you are, um, you know, deeply pained by the downs, but it only leaves you wanting more, right? Uh, we don't need to be there. We don't need to be in that place and be investing. So that would be a very serious place that uh, not investing would be extremely important. Now within the financial action plan, if you are, uh, you know, in the place where you should be investing, maybe in the third part uh, or in the sixth part or beyond, right? You shouldn't invest in things that you don't understand. So it's okay to take a little time to get to understanding investments. It's okay to take a little time to learn about what mutual funds are, about what ETFs are, about what stocks do, about what bonds do, about how financial markets work. It's okay 
to get a little knowledge as far as those things go. Hopefully I'm helping you to gain some of that knowledge day after day on this show. Uh, but gaining that knowledge is paramount because I've told you before and I'll tell you again, we don't invest in things that we don't understand. You need to be investing only in things that you understand. You need to only be putting your money into things that you understand, right? Why do we buy homes? We buy homes because we understand what a house is. We understand what a home is. We understand the importance of a place to live. We understand the value that is inherent to living somewhere, right? Why do people buy farms? Because uh, they can look at the farm and go, okay, well, I can yield this crop from this farm and sell uh, that crop and, and make money from that crop. I, I see the utility. I see the use from that farm. Why do people buy cars? They buy cars because they need to get from point A to point B. And the most cost-effective way in most places is to purchase a vehicle for yourself. And so doing all of these things, right, is no different than investing your money in the stock market. You need to understand what you're investing. You need to understand where your money is actually going. Because I don't want you to be blindly putting money into something uh, and thinking that you're doing great, thinking that you're, hey, I'm investing, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, and you're actually not doing it correctly. You're actually not doing something that's gonna be extremely beneficial. Far too often do I see people who are like, oh yeah, I invest in my 401k. I put money away in my 401k. And they may even put away really good amounts of money in their 401ks, but they're putting money away and maybe it's not being invested in anything. Maybe it's being invested into something that is typically far lower uh, in you know risk than what their risk tolerance would allow. Uh, maybe they're putting money away into the 401k and it just goes into a cash account, right? Uh, this is not what we want. We don't want that to be the case. We want to know uh, where our money is going. We want to know what our money is being invested in. We need to understand the types of accounts that we're putting our money away into, IRAs, 401ks, brokerage accounts, you know, HSAs. We need to know what's occurring within those accounts and be active, right? Be understanding uh, of what is happening within those accounts. Don't just sit by uh, and allow you know whomever or whatever company to make decisions for you because honestly, the decisions that get made for you are commonly not in your best, best interest but in the interest of those who are making the decision. So make the best decision for you uh, and you need to be aware of what you are invested in. But once you know, right, once you have a good idea uh, of what to invest in and you have some basic knowledge as to how investing works, hopefully I'm helping with that uh, day by day as well, then you can start putting money away into things. And then maybe you can, as you learn more, make some uh, minor adjustments here or there. But we've talked before about how simple investing can be and how simple it can be to put money away for your future. But if you don't understand things, you should not be uh, investing for your future. And that's not to say that you have to understand everything when it comes to investments. You have to understand the entire financial world. It's not what I'm saying. I'm saying understanding enough to be able to make logical investment decisions and grow your money for the future. And that does not take a lot of time. That does not take a ton of effort, but it does take time and it does take effort. But you have to make those decisions for yourself and you have to put yourself in the right positions financially uh, within those investments to grow for the future. And if you're not doing that, then the investing that you're doing uh, is likely to not be worth what it could possibly be worth in the future. Now, I don't tell you to pause investing uh, for some of the things like, uh, you know, if you're saving up for a home, I don't tell you to pause investing. I don't tell you to pause for investing if you're trying to make 
any other large purchases, right? Because investing is extremely important. It's extremely important to be putting money away for your future. I don't want you to put it on pause just because you're trying to save up for something else if you're in the right place in the financial action plan. You should have adequate income in order to allocate some towards saving up for whatever you want to save up for uh, or doing whatever thing you're trying to do within your financial life. So um, I don't tell you to put it on pause for many things that some people would say put it on pause for. Uh, but I subscribe to the idea that the foundation must be strong. Your financial foundation needs to be strong before you're putting money away into investment accounts in droves. You need to have a strong foundation uh, in order to build upon with the investments that you put away. Once that foundation is built, go haywire. Go invest with a lot of intensity, a lot of uh, intentionality, and build up a nest egg for your future. But until uh, you get that foundation set, until you do some of those correct things, financially. You need to sit on the investing sideline uh, and allow yourself to still be gaining knowledge, still be preparing for that time when you can invest. And then when the time comes, really hit it hard uh, and do it over the long term. And don't allow yourself to fall into places uh, where you have to stop investing all the time because you don't have money uh, you know, to take care of an emergency or stop investing all the time because uh, you know, you're too deep in debt and you can't cover your, your debt payments or your house costs too much and you can't cover your house payment. Whatever it may be, we want to be investing for the long term and we want to keep doing it systematically until the cows come home and until we decide to retire. So thanks for watching this video. If you could go down below, hit the big red subscribe button, like this video, leave me any feedback in the comments down below, and I'll be sure to respond to anything you leave down there. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify podcasts, then be sure to subscribe and leave me a review on either one of those platforms. Follow me on social media at MNO with Dylan, and that's good supplemental materials to all the things I'm putting out in these long form episodes on YouTube and the podcast every single day. And then if you need somebody to help you to create a financial plan that is specific to you and your family's needs and keep you accountable to that plan over the long term, then I can do that. Just go to my website, www.mnowithdylan.com. Click on the Work With Dylan tab, and you can choose the financial coaching session type that would work best for you, and we can begin pushing towards your long-term financial goals together. So tune in Monday and get my opinion on bankruptcies and foreclosures and how we should navigate those if such tragedy occurs in our financial life. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of Money's No Object. I'm your host, Dylan Howell. God bless.